In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Please be seated. And I do want to say good morning here and at home. And I can't tell you what a blessing it is this morning to share the sanctuary with members of our All Saints family. And I, I can speak confidently for everybody on the side of the chancel. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that our congregation was that little blue dot on the camera, and that's who we were speaking to. But so if, if you find me looking up at the little blue dot, I'm, I've got to re, reorient my eyes. But it is a blessing to have, have you in the sanctuary here with the All Saints family. And I am truly encouraged by this small but affirmative step in our intentional regathering. And I look forward in faith to the eventual, eventual refilling of this family room uh, where we as brothers and sisters can sit at the feet of the Almighty God and in His presence and worship Him. Uh, but this morning, I would invite you uh, to turn to St. Saint Ma- Saint Matthew's Gospel in chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 24, uh, if you have on your Bibles, your electronic devices, where we'll be drawing our thoughts from today's gospel and speaking on the parable of the wheat and, wheats, wheat and the tares. And the parable, as I said, come out of, uh, sec- it's the second agrarian-themed parable in chapter 13. Uh, Father Scott uh, spoke to the, the, the previous one last Sunday, uh, so we're looking at a different one. And this one we see beginning in verse uh, 24, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while, while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So that when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How is it then, did it, are these weeds here? The master simply said, an enemy has done this. Now, I have always, I have always had a spot in my heart for gardening, uh, to my dad's chagrin, when I was four years old, uh, he had a formal rose garden. And he was wondering one day, why is there a row of carrots coming up in, in my, in my uh, rose garden? And he asked me, Andrew, do you know anything about these carrots? Yeah, they're mine. Aren't they great? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Next time, let me give you a patch of dirt. You can plant them. But... It was, the, it was the summer of, of 67 when the carrots bloomed among the, uh, among the star roses. But I, I, my, love, my love of gardening and far, and was, came at an early age. And as a tween and then later as a teen, for me, one of the first harbingers of spring is when the burpee seed catalog hit the mailbox. Amen. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, we didn't have... Game Boys and everything like that. We had seed catalogs, so me vita loco. Uh, but you know, when it came in and the varieties of the seeds, and every year through hybrids and, and through agronomy, they came up with bigger, fatter, juicier red big boy tomatoes and the like. And uh, and 
That's the, and the reason they do that is, is a planter or a farmer understands that the quality of seed, the quality seeds offers a better potential for a bumper crop. And that's why we see that the sower here is, is intentionally said he sowed good seed. He sowed the best seed he had. Uh, it's not like the grass seed that we get today from Lowe's or Home Depot that has about 50% tall fescue and 50% a potpourri of who knows what, uh, which is the reason why my lawn is typically green in Stafford, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's grass. It's just something green there. But we see that, uh, you know, he took out the, he went for the, the good quality seed and he sowed. And as Father Scott brought out last, last Sunday, as he sowed, this was an, an intentional act activity. One doesn't simply cast seed to the wind, but intentionally plants it in an orderly manner. And after this, he left the fields in the custody of his servants. Sometime later in the crop cycle, as the wheat was maturing, the servants discerned that there was crop contamination. Those, uh, those servants seeing the contamination immediately uh, seeing that this crop contamination rather could lead to crop failure or the failure of the crop alerted the master. And you see the, the graphic up there. Uh, we talk about uh, the weeds that, that were sown by, by the enemy. Now, the ESV, uh, does, I don't believe, does this passage the best justice. I, I think there's a better rendering in the King James and the New American Standard where this weed is specifically identified as, as a tear. Uh, the specific weed. Now, telling, the Jewish, telling a Jewish planter that a tear is just a weed is like telling a Virginia gardener that poison ivy is just a weed. Uh, no doubt, I'm sure many in this room have had uh, colorful experiences with poison ivy. Uh, Robin and I, not the least of them. In fact, poison ivy was the welcome wagon for Robin when we first moved down here to Virginia. Uh, but the tear, also known commonly as, as the Darnell, uh, which is also, its scientific name is Ololium tendomentum, which is defined in Easton's Bible Dictionary, is a species of ryegrass, the seeds of which contain a strong soporific poison. Uh, it's a 50-cent word for basically it's, it's, it's a poison that causes somebody to be extremely drowsy. Uh, so you can see that not only is this inedible, it, it's also toxic. And uh, coming up into the Coming, uh, coming up to the point of the maturity of the grain, they, look, they are indistinguishable from the, from the road. Uh, they, they look completely different. And like I said, it's only at maturity can you look out and say, all right, that's not wheat. That's specifically something else. Now, we see that the tares at this point seem to have been entrenched within the garden. Or the plant, rather. So the servant said to him, do you want us to go out and gather them? But he said, no. Lest in gathering in the weeds, you root up the wheat amongst them. Let them both grow together until the harvest time. And I will tell, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first. Bind them in bundles to be burned. 
but gather the wheat into my barn. Uh, the farmer understood, not the farmer understood the, former servants rather understood the stakes of having the crop contaminated and stepped up to do some old uh, urgent cultivating to rid these, uh, rid these tares out, out of the fields. But despite their earnestness, they were restrained by, by the master uh, with the knowledge that while they're, while they're out there running roughshod trying to pull up tares, you know, they are also going to destroy a, big, a large number of wheat in, in the midst of all that. So he said, let, let them stay. And, and they, followed the, the implicate, they followed it. Uh, when the reapers came in, the reapers gathered those and they uh, took the wheat into the barn and the tares were, were bundled and went into the fire. So what is the... We, we continue, consider the implication of this, this parable. It, it, it is really... We have the benefit of seeing it. Now, those who heard it uh, probably thought, well, this is, this is an interesting story, but I don't know what it means. Which is why the, the word tells us that Jesus spoke in parables that those who hear might not really hear what was being said. But yet as those parables were explained to the disciples, rather, they got the full meaning of, of the story so the disciples, and the disciple isn't named by name, but one, but one or several of them said, Master, what, tell us the meaning of this parable. Jesus was happy to. He explained it in some very short, uh, very sh- short sentences. The, pl- the planter is God. The field is the world. The good seed are the sons of, the sons of God. The bad seed is the sons of this world. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren, Satan, who sows that in, midst, in, in the midst of the world itself. The reapers are the angels. The bundles and their destinations are the final destinations of, of the righteous and the wicked. It seems a very cut and dry, but when we stop and think of the implication of this, this parable, you know, we think that, you know, this, this is very stark. And it brings us to a point that I think many of us are uncomfortable speaking about. We believe it sincerely in our, in our hearts that, and we proclaim it every Sunday as we proclaim the creed that he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. And we know in that that there is a final destination for the just, those who've been justified by, by Christ. And there's a final destination of the unjust. And we know that is to be cast out into outer darkness away from the presence of God. Uh, in our Everybody in our culture of everybody gets a trophy, uh, that, that's kind of a hard pill to, to swallow. In fact, uh, there was a, a, me, a former uh, evangelical pastor by the name of Rob Bell who espoused that idea that he called it love wins. And that in the end, it, you know, everybody gets to go to heaven, everybody gets the trophy. 
No, not everybody gets the trophy. Uh, how sad a day it's going to be when many will step, stand before God and he simply says, depart from me. I don't know who you are. Uh, and at that point, you know, both at, at the end of the season and at present, uh, the tares and the wheat look very similar at, at, from this side of the road. But at the time of gathering, the differences will become stark. The one sown by the master will be gathered up and dwell with the master. The one sown in corruption will surely reap the corruption. So it's purely natural to understand this parable and its implication. It would be an easy tumble into fatalism, believing in fixed destinies. That, hey, okay, uh, I guess this is what I'm, I'm doomed for. But we need, to, we need to understand our God is not bound by predetermined outcomes. Though through Christ's propitiatory death on the behalf of all humanity, the one estranged, estranged from God and his kingdom may see their natures forever and are exorably changed as they put their trust in, in, in the message of the gospel. Yes, a sinner can become a saint. Tares can become wheat. All things are possible through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if anything today, uh, our big takeaway is we all, we, all know some, we all know people right now that are living out their life as tares. Living apart from God, living estranged from God. Uh, it doesn't mean we are to go over them and, and take our ESV and whack them over the head with it. But we are called and, and commanded to live Christ in front of these individuals. You know, that they may see, they may see light and taste salt. And that they might also be taken in to become part of the family. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the message of the tares and the wheat. Thank you for the saving, sacrifice, and atoning, atonement of your son, Christ Jesus. That whosoever believes in him may be saved. Whosoever believes in him may be called a son of God. Uh, I ask that you would inspire everyone in the sound of this message, that you would burden our hearts for someone, uh, perhaps even a family member, who is, who is outside, who needs to be brought inside. This we ask through the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.